Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. The title of this sermon today is really a question that I'm going to ask you several times, and it's this, are you ready? Are you ready? Man, I've been just meditating on this and, and, and thinking about life, thinking about the future, and I'll probably talk about some of that, but this question, this question, I went up to preach to our youth Friday night, and we had two kids, teenagers, give their lives to Jesus at the youth service. Went up there with a message, and the Lord wiped the whole thing, and it was out of my spirit. Just this same question, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to read a sobering scripture to you. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, and, and the Lord brings me back to this all, uh, many times. It's, Paul said, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Listen, if I could say something to the American church right now, it's maybe that right there. Run to win. Right? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Have you ever thought about that? Think about what people will do to run a marathon. Think about how... Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather will get and train to get in the boxing ring and win a round. But Paul says they, they're doing it. They're training. They're putting themselves through all of that for a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I run with purpose in every step. Christians need to get back to this statement right here. Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Can you imagine that? Apostle Paul lived with this reality. Every day when he woke up, he said, I, I, I think about my life. I think about why I'm here. I think about why God hasn't just taken me and zapped me into heaven, and I realize that I'm here for one purpose, and it's to build the kingdom of God on the earth and to preach the gospel. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an, an athlete, training it to do what it should. Look at this. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The man that wrote, obviously the Holy Spirit wrote it, but the man that God used to write two-thirds of this New Testament Live with this humbling reality that day in and day out, he understood he had to crucify his flesh, deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow Jesus. And he lived with this reality that he's doing all of these things, and he says, but I live with this at the forefront. I don't want to go out and do all of these great things and all of these works, and then me, myself, stand before God that I might be disqualified. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? I want to tell you something. The Bible says Jesus Christ is returning again. 
The same Bible that tells us how do we know about Jesus? How do we know that he lived? Well, we, we know that he lives because of signs, miracles, wonders still happen today because Jesus is resurrected, right? But we also know because of this word. In the same Bible that tells us that, that the word became flesh in John chapter 1, that flesh was a man named Jesus Christ. He came to the earth as the son of God. He died for our sins. He allowed himself to be beaten, flogged, crown of thorns shoved into his head, spit on, mocked, rejected, ridiculed, shamed, nailed to a cross. The Bible that tells us that he did all of those things, that he rose again from the dead and that he ascended into heaven says that he's returning again. And I'm going to tell you something very soon. Very soon. I'm going to read you the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Apostle Paul wrote about this. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Can I tell you something? That when you're a believer, you don't grieve like other people. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. The Bible actually does it. Uh, other translations don't use the word died. It uses fallen asleep. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a, commanding, with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. I want to give you some encouragement about grief for just a moment. You understand that? When someone leaves this earth as a believer, they don't die. They're not just gonna, you're not just going to see them in heaven. In fact, if you're here when that trumpet blows, you will see their physical body raised up out of the ground, and then together with them will be transformed and receive a glorified body and, and meet Jesus Christ in the air. Do you realize that? The devil tries to get us into this grief, but think about that mother that loved the Lord that you lost, my mother that, lo that I lost, that I loved the Lord. She's not dead. It's just a vacation, Right? Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump? He's on vacation. <laughs> You'll see them. But here's, here's the, the thing that I want to show you is that the Bible says there's an event that will take place. This is known as the rapture, the catching away of the church. Before the world goes into tribulation, before the Antichrist can rise into a place of power, there will be a trumpet sound. And then everyone who died believing in Christ will be raised. And then together with them, we will leave this earth and we'll meet Christ in the air and we'll be transformed with our glorified bodies. Do you know that this is the next event? This is the next event to take place according to the Bible. You know, this is interesting as well. Say the rapture. The Bible gives many signs. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, you'll know, you know, you have to understand this as well, that the, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming happens after the tribulation period where he comes and fight, fight what's the word, 
Final. He comes in vitality. Is that a word? Finality? Finality. Thank you. Man, I've been living in Huntington too long. And he puts all of his enemies under his feet. He conquers them. The believers will enter into a thousand-year millennial reign. Right? So in Matthew chapter 24, he said there's all these signs that when you start seeing these signs taking place, you'll know that you're in that very hour. But can I tell you something? Though there are many signs that point to the second coming of Christ, the rapture, the catching away of the church is known as a signless event in the Bible. What that means is there's no scripture in the Bible where Jesus said, this stuff has to happen first, and until that stuff happens, the church can't be caught away. So that means that it could literally happen at any point in time. And in fact, the only reason that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still on the earth today is because of a mandate and a purpose. God is waiting until the very last moment so that we can go out and gather the harvest. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me this morning? The only reason we haven't been caught up with the Lord is for the harvest's sake. The greatest harvest of souls, the greatest outpouring of revival in the United States of America, in Texas, in every continent and country, the glory of the Lord will fill the earth and he pours his spirit out in the last days, the Bible says in Acts 2 and Joel chapter 2. That's why you're here. Look, get this in you this morning. If you're a born-again, blood-bought believer, you're not here to struggle through life. You're not just trying to pay your bills. You're not just trying to have cool vacations. You are on this earth for the kingdom's sake to be about your father's business until that trumpet blows. This is the next event that will take place. So I want to ask you this question. Are you ready for this event? If that trumpet were to blow tomorrow, are you ready? You know, it says that in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up with the Lord. You know that if you study that word, a twinkling of an eye, it means like a blink. You know how fast the human, the human eye blinks? Does it take you an hour to blink? It takes you a fraction of a second to blink. So you know what that means? When that trumpet blows, you won't have time to get down on your knees and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I should have been ready, but I wasn't ready. You won't have time to make things, things right when you hear the trumpet blow. You won't have time to call your preacher. You won't have time to drive down the street and get on your knees before the altar and say, oh my gosh, I never believed it, but it's true, it's really happening. In a twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord. Are you ready for that? If that trumpet were to blow, would you go to meet the Lord in the air or would you be left here to be subject to the rule and the reign of the Antichrist? Are you ready? And I, you, everybody says yes, but I'm telling you, Apostle Paul said, I look at myself. I look, I run with purpose at every step. I look at my life every week, every month, every year, every day and to, to evaluate myself lest I be disqualified when I stand before the Lord. I think there's Christians that say yes, but they say it way too loosely. In Texas, everyone's saved, but that's not what the Bible says. 
And I'm not up here preaching hell, fire, and brimstone. I'm telling you, as a trumpet call, like a, like a person sounding the alarm, that we are at the very hour of the Lord's return. Are you ready? So this is the next event to take place. The next thing that you'll see of Bible prophecy being fulfilled is the catching away of the church. Let me ask this question. When will this happen, or how soon could this event possibly be? How, how close are we? Well, I want to give you two signs that indicate the soon return of Jesus Christ. There's so many more than that, but the Lord told me to keep this very plain to you this morning. I'm going to give you two signs that point to the hour that we're in. Number one, how close are we to this event happening? The fig tree blossomed. Let me say that statement to you. The fig tree blossomed. What do I mean by that? The fig tree blossomed. Look at Matthew 24, 32 through 34. And can I tell you something? That when you study, if you study the Bible... Matthew 24, the rapture is not found in Matthew 24. So what I'm saying is everything written in Matthew 24 isn't talking about the rapture, the catching way of the church. It's talking about the final second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to understand if that's confusing to you, the rapture is Jesus never touched foot on this ground in the rapture. We meet him in the air. Right? So the rapture is when the church meets him in the air. The second coming is when Jesus comes to the earth. His foot will touch the earth and he will defeat all of his enemies by the word of his mouth. Hallelujah. And you know what? The Bible says we're going to be with him. If you're a believer, it says that there was a rider that came riding on a white horse and an army behind them riding on horses. <laughs> we're riding in with Jesus. Hallelujah. So how close are we? The signs that indicate the soon return of Christ. Number one, the fig tree blossom. Jesus said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. Say the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near right out the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Give you an example. There's, there's many things we can pull out of this verse, but number one, I want to give you a literal interpretation. The literal meaning here is the fig tree was Israel. Say Israel. This is depicted many times in the Bible. Give you some, some kind of knowledge to this. Israel was God's people. Israel was God's special tree. Israel was a people in covenant with God, but they rejected him. They denied him. So Jesus, Jesus spoke of it many times in parables that the father, what did he do? He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, servant after servant to his people to try to warn them, to try to, to get them on path. But what did they do? They killed the prophets. They rejected the servants. Jesus told a parable where finally the master said, I know I'll send my son since they won't listen to my servants. What did they do to the son? They killed the son of God. And so he pronounced a judgment 
Because you have rejected and killed the Son of God, he said you will be cut off, you will be chopped down. So look at Luke 13. I'll give you an example of this, 6 through 9. Jesus told the story, a man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit. Who's the fig tree here? Say Israel. He came again and again and again, but finally was disappointed. He was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. How many, how many years was Jesus on the earth in his ministry? Three years. So this, this, this whole story with Israel, him sending the prophets, him sending the servants, it's been building up over time, and finally he sends his son, who for three years opens the eyes of the blind, heals the sick, raises the dead, performs signs, wonders, and miracles, hoping to bring Israel to repentance to produce the fruit that God desires. But yet they wouldn't. So finally he said to the gardener, I've waited three years. This is the conversation the father's having. I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention, attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Say, cut it down. After they killed Jesus, you know where the first revival in church history took place? Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2. On top of killing Jesus, Jesus, the Father, still poured out the Spirit of God in Jerusalem. The church was birthed in Jerusalem. It was this special attention. What did they do? They persecuted. They killed the, the, the apostles. They, they, they scattered the church. They rejected the move of God. So what happened? Say, cut it down. So you need to understand, say this generation, Jesus prophesied a judgment that was coming to Israel during his ministry on the earth where he said, this judgment will fall on this generation. You will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets before you. You know what happened? Jesus walked the earth Spent his life in ministry from the year 30 A.D. to 33 A.D. He was crucified around 33 A.D. Say this generation. Do you know a generation in the Jewish tradition is 40 years? You know what happened 40 years after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Jerusalem was completely destroyed by the Romans. The Romans came in, blocked their city walls up, tore down their temple where not one stone was left on top of another, killed them, slaughtered them, burnt them alive. It got so bad that mothers were eating their own children to stay alive. It's absolutely horrific if you look at history what happened. And you know what took place when that temple was destroyed? It, the tree was cut down. You know, the Jews cannot actually practice their religion without a temple. They have no authorized place of worship. The temple was destroyed. The tree was chopped down. Why am I even telling you all of this? Go back to what he said. Learn this lesson from a, trig, from a fig tree. When its branches bud and begin to sprout, you'll know that summer is near. So Jesus was talking that this tree, Israel, would be chopped down, and there would come a day when it began to sprout out leaves once again. Are you following me here? 
It's going to be chopped down to a stump, but there will come a day where sprouts start coming out of it, branches start coming out of it, where it starts to give life once again. And from the year 70 AD, for over a 1,000 years, over 1,500 years, Israel remained a stump that was chopped down. But you know what happened in our lifetime? Maybe not mine, but some that are present lifetime. In May of 1948, you know what happened? Israel became a nation, for the, a sovereign nation for the first time in history. You know, for all of those years, Israel never governed itself. It was always governed by another world power. It was always occupied by another world power. And for the first time in 1948, Israel became a sovereign nation. Guess what happened when that took place? The fig tree began to bud. Are y'all following me? So he says when this happens... When you see all these things, you can know the return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. All what things? All the signs of the end times with the, the climax of the second coming of the Lord. So if I'm, trying to, if I'm confusing you, let me make it very simple. Jesus said, when the fig tree buds... The generation that's alive to see the fig tree bud will not pass away until Jesus Christ returns in his second coming. That fig tree budded in 1948. How many, how a person that was born in 1948 right now would be 74 years old. So if Jesus said it has to happen in a person's lifetime once that, once that takes place, and that was 74 years ago, let me ask you the question, how close are we to the return of Jesus Christ? Not only was Israel made a sovereign nation in, in May of 1948, Donald Trump in 2018 reinstated or recognized Jerusalem as the capital city. Do you understand how prophetically important that is? I'm not going to get into eschatology teaching, but you got to understand everything in the end times centers around Jerusalem. The Antichrist will come and set up his capital in Jerusalem. But how can, how can the Antichrist have a capital in Jerusalem if Jerusalem ain't even the capital of Israel? So what had to take place? The capital prophetically had to be restored. It happened in 2018. All these indicators... The fig tree is blossoming. Hallelujah. How close are we to the soon return of Jesus Christ? How close could this event possibly be where we hear the trumpet blow and we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air? How close are we? The second thing that I want to tell you this morning Signs that indicate the soon return of Jesus Christ. Number two, the rise of the Antichrist society. Revelation 13, 16 through 17. The Bible teaches there will be a person during a seven-year tribulation period that rises up. He will be known as the Antichrist. While he's on this earth, he will become a dominating world power. And something that the Bible says that we'll see specifically is the type of society that he'll set up. In Revelation 13, 16 through 17, he required, say required, under the Antichrist's kingdom and society, the government gets to require things of people. 
Amen. He required everyone, say everyone, small and great, rich or poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. So he's going to require everyone, say everyone, to be given a mark. Without this mark, sorry for the voice crack, no one could buy or sell anything without that mark. So what do you have here? You have a one-world power, a one-world government. He's going to force everyone to take this mark, which obviously in order for him to control what you can buy, sell, and trade, that means that there has to be a one-world economy, one-world currency, where he dominates it all, he gets to decide what you do, what you don't do. If you don't take this mark, you don't get to eat. And can I tell you, are you ready? Because listen, if you miss that trumpet call, you will be on the earth when that takes place, if it happens in our lifetime. You know, the Bible's very clear in the book of Revelation. If you take that mark, you will go to hell. There is no repentance for you. There is no forgiveness. I know that's harsh, but it's absolutely the truth. If you take the mark of that beast, there is no, um, I took the mark, and Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, but they were threatening to kill me. No, if you refuse to take the mark, you will be beheaded for not taking the mark. You'll be martyred. You'll be killed for it. I've heard stories of hypothetical situations. Can you imagine a, a woman, she wasn't saved, she wasn't living for the Lord, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't make that trumpet call, she's still here when this society now is in full-blown effect on the earth. And she reads the Bible, she sees, I cannot take this mark, and she has a newborn baby. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, pray that the time is short. Pray that, you, that the, for the nursing mothers during that time, it's going to be a horrible time. Imagine she has a baby. Did you know this, that when a mother doesn't eat, the baby don't eat. When a mother doesn't eat, she can't produce milk for her baby. If you can't produce milk for your baby, you're going to have to go to the store and get formula and get baby food. But in order to go to the store to get formula and baby food, you have to show that you have taken the mark. If you don't take the mark, you cannot buy, sell, or trade anything. So now a woman with the realization of what's going on is confronted with this reality. I take the mark, right? My baby's at home screaming day after day because they're starving and I'm starving and there's no relief. I can take the mark and I'll, be, I'll, I'll go to hell. Or I don't take the mark and we give our life. That's, that's a harsh reality. Amen. Y'all, do you understand why I hate, I hate, I hate complacent, seeker-sensitive Christianity? Because it's putting so many people in such a lethargic state. When that trumpet blows, they're not going to make the call. So what do you see right now? The rise of the Antichrist society. I want to show you this. So the Bible says that the Antichrist, when he comes, he'll require everyone to be given this mark on their right hand or forehead. You can't buy or sell anything without that mark. But I want you to see this as well, that 1 John 4, 3 says, if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. Say the spirit. So the Antichrist is not only going to be a person, he's, it's a spirit. 
And he says, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. The Spirit's here. The same Spirit that's going to make everyone take that mark, it's already here on the earth, right? Does that help you understand why do we, what did we see in 2020? What did we see in 2021? What do we see happening in Australia right now? What do we see happening with the United Nations right now? Everything is falling into perfect biblical order of what was prophesied thousands of years ago. If you don't believe what I'm saying, pull your head out of the hole and look around at the world for a moment. Hallelujah. I was talking to a brother when we were having revival that came from France. That, that, that they were trying to do the vaccine passport in France in our lifetime already. Where he said they couldn't go to the gym. They couldn't go to the movie theater. They couldn't interact in society unless they showed the vaccine, that they had the vaccine. It was a vaccine passport. Happening in other countries. The, the devil will require everyone to be given a mark in which you can't buy, sell, or trade anything without that mark. Do you see that spirit is already on the earth setting the stage for that to take place. And we're getting so close. Look around. Is this the America that you grew up in as a child? Older people? What are we doing? Why are we being lethargic? We've got to get about our father's business because we are right at the end where the trumpet is about to sound. And when that trumpet sounds, there's going to be people that get a reality. When they stand before Jesus Christ, guess what? You'll get a revelation of who he is when you're standing in front of him. And all this junk that we filled our lives with, that we've spent our lives serving, that we've spent our lives chasing, is going to completely fade away in the background when we get a revelation and we're standing at the feet of Jesus Christ. And there will be people that stand at his feet and they look into his face and they say, I am not ready to stand here today. Why aren't people being told this? Do you see how fast we are escalating to this time? I believe the trumpet will blow in my lifetime. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? Three questions. Number one, what have you done with your life? I don't speak that condemningly because you could say, John, I've never heard some of the stuff you're saying today, and I'm not right with God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with God. What have you done with your life? If you have squandered it away, let me tell you, his, you still are in a time of grace right now. You can repent, and he'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. You could be 60 years old, and you blew every single day of your entire life up until this moment. But because of the time that we're in, there's still grace and mercy and forgiveness for you. But I'm going to tell you something. When that trumpet blows, we're going to enter into a different time on the earth, those that are here. You can still be saved during the tribulation period. Did you know that? But you'll give your life for it. It will come with a price where right now it comes for free. All you have to do, there's a price. It's just surrender. It's full surrender. He offers us all of us. All we have to do is simply lay our life down and follow him. In the most free country in the world, 
We don't have radical Muslims standing outside our door waiting to, a fire squad waiting for us to walk out to give our lives. We live in a free country, and we're the most lethargic Christians out of them all. God, not, not for long in Jesus' name. America used to be the source of evangelism going into the world. America used to be the source of world missions. America, and I'm not telling you that everybody's bad. There's still ministries that are on fire, but we've got to wake up. Hey, Angelina, we've got to wake up. People of Texas, people of America, we've got to wake up. What have you done with your life? If you looked at your life and said, if I just just went by that, what have I done with my life? Am I ready to stand before him? If that trumpet were to blow tomorrow, am I ready? What have you done with your life? Number two, what are you doing with your life today? The third question is this, what will you do with your life now that you've heard? Are you ready? Many say yes, but is it true? Everyone says yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't wait to meet my Lord and Savior, and I pray that you are. But I want to tell you, if you're afraid of that moment, if there's anything in you that fears that moment, hear me. Get right with God. Because it's called the hope of the resurrection in the Bible. Standing before, Paul couldn't wait to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you should be in the place where you cannot wait until we see our Lord face to face, eye to eye. And if anything in you says, I'm not ready, I'm afraid, I wouldn't be ready if that were to happen tomorrow, can I tell you, don't waste another stinking minute and get ready. Matthew 24, 42 through 51 So remember, in Matthew 24, he's telling all of these signs, I'm coming back again, and he says, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day our Lord is coming. Keep watch. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. Listen to me. You must be ready all the time. Keep watch. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns, listen, if Jesus returns and finds that the servants have done a good job, there will be a reward. But I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, right? I still got life to live. I still got tomorrow to get right with God. I heard a wise man say that the Worst decision a person can make is always thinking that they just have, they'll always have more time. That's the dumbest decision that you could ever make is, is believing that you're just always going to have more time. Can I tell you people have lived with that thought their whole life? Well, I always got tomorrow. I always got tomorrow. I always got tomorrow. I always got tomorrow. And I'm sure some of the older people that have had loved ones pass from this side to the other can testify that there will come a day where you enter into the reality, I don't have more time. 
What have I done with the time that I had? So he says, I tell you, the master will put him in charge of everything. But if you say he won't be back for a while and begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, listen to this, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant into pieces and assign him his place place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if a person doesn't live ready, if a person isn't keeping watch, and they decide, you know what, we're going to not treat people right, we're going to party, we're going to get drunk, right, just live, eat, drink, have fun, live it up, for we die tomorrow, that person doesn't enter into heaven, do do they, according to the scripture? Say no. No. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, listen to this. This is a scripture that, golly, I wish was told. Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. Are you ready? You say, yes, I'm ready. Are you saying yes because you prayed a prayer one time? Are you saying yes because day in and day out, you're about your father's business and you carry out the will of your father on this earth? Have you said, well, I'm ready to meet the Lord, but you do not do the will of the father. You're not ready to meet the Lord. Many will say on judgment day, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Everybody says, I know Jesus. Does he know you? Does he know you? Come on, somebody. How is that, John, that someone could cast out demons and prophesy and do all the stuff never knowing Jesus because his name carries power? That name's powerful whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it. His name is given. It's the name above every other name. When that name is used, even in a backslidden condition, demons still flee. But don't think just because you've used the name and seen a few things in your life, oh, yeah, I'm ready to meet the Lord. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm going to end with this this morning. There are only two types of people who enter into heaven. Listen to me. There are only two types of people who enter heaven. Number one, a person who repents on their deathbed. There was a thief that hung on the cross that said, you, you don't, we deserve to be up here, Jesus. You don't. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And he said, okay, I'll remember you. But I also want to take it from this perspective as well. That thief didn't grow up in church his whole life. That thief didn't spend a lifetime hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ and and intentionally because he wasn't willing to pay the price, he wasn't willing to live for him, he wasn't willing to surrender to him, he just refused Jesus and lived the life that he wanted to live and then on his deathbed because he was scared, cried out to the Lord. That's not the context here. But I do want to tell you that somebody can genuinely cry out to the Lord with a true heart of faith and repentance on their deathbed, and he will receive them. But can I tell you the future that will await this person? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. 
But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You repent on your deathbed. And you better hope and pray that it's genuine, it's full of faith, and you really are surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go to heaven, but there will be no reward for you. You'll be like a person barely escaping the flames of hell. I don't know about you, but that's not me. Is that anybody in the room? Is that what you want, to just barely get into heaven with no reward like someone barely escaping hell? No, I want to be like Paul who said, it's like a race. Though many run, only one wins. So run to win the race for the heavenly prize that awaits us. I'm not going to blow my life living for the devil. What a a dumb way to live because I'm going to tell you, not only do you get to inherit heaven, But living for Jesus secures the blessing of the Lord on your life while you're still here. (laughs) There is no better way to live than to live totally surrendered to Jesus and to be about his purposes and to seek first his kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm talking your health, your marriage, your finances. Every part, he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and live righteously and all these things will be added unto you. So there's only two types of people who enter into heaven, a person who repents on their deathbed. Can I tell you, if you wait until your deathbed to repent, you're not even guaranteed a deathbed because you're walking outside of covenant with God, and you know what it means when you're walking outside of covenant with God? You're susceptible to whatever the devil wants to throw at you. Well, I'll repent one day when I'm laying on that bed. Well, what if you're outside of covenant with God and you get hit head on by an 18-wheeler? And the twinkling of an eye, you didn't have time to get on your knees and repent and cry out to the Lord and make things right. And now, in just a second, it's too late. Don't sit here this morning and hear what I'm saying if you're not ready and not right with God and just push it away. So the other person that will enter into heaven, number one, a person who repents on their deathbed, number two, a red-hot, on-fire believer. Look at this, just a couple more verses. Are y'all okay this morning? Y'all, I love you. I'm telling you, I'm a faith preacher. I usually don't do the, you know, this all the time, and it's not because I don't think it's great. It's just the Lord has me preached on other things, and you may say this seems heavy this morning, John, but this is exactly what the Lord put in my spirit for someone that's in the room. Matthew 25 The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused by a shout. Say a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up, prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Guys, listen what I'm telling you. When that shout, when that trumpet blows, you'll see in the story, they didn't have time to go get oil from someone else. 
When the trumpet blowed, they didn't have time to run to Miss Kim and say, oh my gosh, Miss Kim, hurry, lay hands on me and, and help me pray and get right with God. When the trumpet blew, when the shout happened, they had to have oil in their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed, okay, so it says, verse 9, but the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, while they were trying to, you know, they waited till the last minute, the bridegroom came, and then those who were ready, those who were ready, those who were ready, are you ready this morning, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know I heard that crazy little skinny white boy preacher preaching at Revival House Church one day. The door's locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or hour of my return. You, let me hear, say this this morning. You cannot let your fire go out. Paul said, 2 Timothy 1.6, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Say, fan it into flame. Guys, I'm telling you that if you, there, let me make this final point before I just go off on this here, okay? There's two types of people that will enter heaven. One, a person that repents on their deathbed. I believe the Lord will let them in. But number two, a red hot fire, on fire believer. Listen to this. Complacent Christians will not enter into heaven. Say it again. Complacent Christians will not enter into heaven. Where do we get that idea? Well, just read Revelation, the first few chapters, to what Jesus said to the churches, right? He wasn't talking to the heathen. He was talking to the churches. But specifically, look at Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know all the things that you do. And this is the voice of the Lord, so hear it as a prophetic word. I know all the things that you do. And you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, Jesus actually said it's better to be cold than lukewarm. Why would he say that? Because he also said if the light that you think that you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. If you're cold, then you know you're a sinner, and I need to repent and get right with God. But if you think that you're hot, but you're actually not, you're actually cold, you never see a need. You'll listen to messages just like this and think, oh, that was a good little church service, and go home and continue to stay cold. And guess what will happen when the trumpet blows? You won't be received by the Lord. Are you all with me this morning? It's a scary place to be where you think that you're hot, but you're really cold. Here's my final question. If you feel like you're cold, that's, that's what Paul was saying. There's times you've got to keep the oil in your lamp. Hallelujah. You've got to put your flesh under subjection. Well, Brother John, I just really haven't been feeling like it. Well, by the power of the Spirit, put to death that stupid lying flesh and tell your flesh, I don't care how you feel. I will live by the Spirit of God. 
well, I'm feeling real burnout. I'm feeling real dry. Go pray in tongues for about five minutes. Get in the Holy Ghost and get some oil from the Lord. Just decide, stop being weak, stop being defeated, and stop being beat down and broke down all the time and stand in your victory that Jesus paid for. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.